Are you listening? Damn. Uh. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Welcome to episode 56 of Running Matters. My name is Paul Hudfield. Missing in action today is my co-host Matt the Wolfman North. He's either contracted the coronavirus or started a career in road running. Either way, he's under self-imposed house arrest for two weeks. Our special guest today is Asia Trail Master, John Ellis. Thanks for giving up your time today, mate. Okay, Paul. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Fantastic. John's coming all the way from sunny Hong Kong, so another Skype interview. We're uh, spreading our wings, as they say. But uh, before we get into it, I'd like to thank our partners, Runala, Sydney Brewery, Goo Energy, Gaimi Allied Health, Fractal Running Caps, T8, and uh, Basecamp Altitude Training. I'd also like to thank Jimmy Carroll for doing the editing behind the scenes. Thanks, Jimmy. So, John, I believe you originally hail from Perth. How long have you been in Hong Kong? Yep, yep, originally from Perth and uh, in Hong Kong for the last 10 years. So I think like a lot of Hong Kong people, uh, you come over here for two years and and you stay for 10 or 20. <laughs> so, 10 years later. Uh, and what, what drew you over there in the first place, John? I think like a lot of people, uh, it's a job. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of you know, good jobs over here. It's, um, you know, it's an easy place to come if you're going to do Asia. You know, you can get around with English. The infrastructure's great. Uh, and they've got some really good trails. Um, and that was a big attraction. Uh, so, you know, all of those things. And I uh, have loved it so much and um, been happy to stay. And the 10 years has gone pretty quickly. Fantastic. And I, I believe before you headed over, you were involved in the road running scene in Australia. So did, did you start trail running in Hong Kong because the trails were there or what was the story? Yeah, look, I don't know if I'd say I was part of the, the scene. I think I was probably holding up the tail in terms of Australian road, road running. I'd you know, done, a, done a few marathons over there. I think at the time I probably sort of clipped a 302 as my PB. Um, so, yeah, I had a bit of fun running on the roads there. But then came across to Hong Kong and, you know, as you can imagine, 7 million people living in a pretty small area. Um, the roads aren't that much fun to run on, but the trails here are just, you know, just amazing. You know, I I live in, in the CBD. Oh, sorry, I live, I work in the CBD and, you know, I can run for 10 minutes and then I'm in a country park, you know, and there's a lot of vert, um, there's a lot of variety in terms of the terrain that you're on, uh, and there's not many places in the world you can do that. So, you know, I pretty quickly, you know, made the switch, saw the light and, uh, and flicked over to trails. Fantastic. Yeah, I've, I've been pouring through the YouTube uh, clips of Hong Kong trail running. It just looks spectacular looking out over the city vista while you're up some glorious mountain. So it must be a nice place to train. Yeah, we, we take that stuff for granted, but um, yeah, you, you get the the out of towners coming over, and yeah, they're always pretty amazed that you know you're on this sort of mountain. You got you know some nice ranges, and you've got these huge skyscrapers just you know peering out in the background. It looks pretty magic. Ah, oh, fantastic! And so, end of last year, two thousand nineteen, you were crowned the Asia Trail Master after finishing first in the Ultra Trail Panoramic One Sixty K in Thailand. So, mate, that's an incredibly impressive result can you can you tell us a little bit about that particular race and i guess the series in general yeah i mean that was i guess asia trail masters was my project for 2019 you know i've been running you know the trails in hong kong for you know for a decade now and you know there's some great trails good variety but you know once you've done a race you know for the sixth time seventh time eighth time you know you start to look for different challenges and and for me that was the asia trail master series um it's basically you know, a regional version of the ultra trail world tour i think there's about 25 or 30 races all around around the region so you know china hong kong japan indonesia malaysia uh, thailand philippines uh, vietnam even even australia uh and so 30 races you get to count your best five and over the course of the season, you know, you get to see, uh, you know, who gets the most points. And, and fortunately for me, that was me. Um, but it was it was a lot harder than I thought. And yeah, you have to be pretty strategic in terms of how you pick your races. I guess you asked about Ultra Trail Panoramic. Um, yeah, I mean, that was an interesting race. It's, you know, it was a miler, as you said. And um, 
it was it wasn't my best race. Um, you know, I made a mistake at the start line. I forgot my gels and. And I pretty quickly, uh, I just realized that I had to get onto the checkpoint food and, and did that, didn't agree with me. So I think I spent uh, probably about 50Ks to 100Ks, that 50K point to 100Ks just really struggling. My stomach, you know, didn't want me to eat anything. And so, you know, at that point, you know, I'd, I'd actually moved into to the lead, but I was actually more on survival mode. Uh, mm-hmm. But fast forward to 100Ks, um, you know, I went to the loo. I had a, you know, I dropped the kids off at the pool, um, and <laughs> and it was good. Uh, <laughs> and oh, geez, I, I was a, I was a new man. I um, you know I'd been sort of pacing slower than I would have normally, and so I had all this energy. I felt great. Yeah, I had a really good sort of last sixty k's and managed to win by a couple of hours. So yeah, it was it was enforced pacing, <laughs> and worked out pretty well. Oh, that's fantastic, mate. And and so, what were the other four races you? ticked off as part of that series uh so actually i think i did uh nine races in total so your best five count i had a few races that that were duds you know if i think if you're going for the championship you really need to be winning races or maybe coming first second third in in the bonus point races um but the key ones for me there was that one uh there was um uh eco trail uh in penang penang eco which was another miler uh, you know, that's kind of an interesting one because you know, you, it's basically 100Ks or maybe 120Ks of pretty runnable, um, you know, really hot at the same time. It's, you know, kind of 30 to 35 degrees, 80% humidity. But then you, the last 50Ks is just ridiculously up and down vertical, so much technical. And so, you know, getting into the first 120Ks, you know, did that in 12 hours. You know, there were probably sort of three or four of us at that point. In the last 50Ks, I took 10 hours, which sounds slow, but I think I was four hours quicker than the next guy, just to give you an idea of how technical that was. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Just some... Had some yeah, um, so there was that one. I think there was Ultra Trail Chiang Rai up in northern Thailand. Uh, there was the, the Lat Ultra Trail in, uh, in the highlands of Vietnam. Uh, and then there was Nine Dragons Hong Kong. Uh, those were the, the five that counted for me. Fantastic. And, and how long a span is the the series? How long have you got to complete these races? It's calendar year, so you know, you'll you'll generally find you, know, you have a big chunk of races at the start of the year. You have a big chunk of races in the middle. It gets a little bit less in um, so more races at the end of the year, and then gets a little bit sparser in the middle of the year. Just you know, this part of the world, it's summer and things just get really hot. Um, but yeah, it was basically first race. I think was in in early Feb. The last race was in mid December, and you're pretty much running close to a race a month uh, in between. Wow, that's uh, some serious racing, mate. We'll, we'll talk about how prolific you are shortly. But I I, I want to touch on the on the heat section. So yeah. how what is the what is the regular racing temperature and humidity for you over there? I mean, Hong Kong's good because we get the four seasons here. Uh, so there is definitely a, a racing season, which is in winter. So we start probably around you know, early October. We go through to maybe early April. Um, on the shoulders, it's probably high 20s. Um, when you throw an 80% humidity, you know, it, it feels a lot hotter. But then when you get into around mid-January, you know, it probably gets down to maybe sort of you know, 15, 20 degrees. And that's actually pretty pleasant. But I think one of the hardest things, you know, coming here was just getting used to the humidity. And you know, as a Perth boy, you know, I'm 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 pretty good at sweating, and you know, it's it's a good thing for me in Perth because the sweat sort of evaporates and it cools me down. But but here it just it just drips off uselessly. You get dehydrated. You don't really get cooler. And it's a really big negative. And I think you know that was probably one of the hardest things with Asia Trail Masters last year. And, and so, do you think you've become accustomed to that? Do you think you've you've changed your physiology and, and are better at reducing your heat, or is it still just really hard? Uh, it's hard. Um, I think I'm a bit better at that. I think for me, a lot of it just comes down to how fit you are. Um, you know, the fitter you are, the less you have to work and the less you sweat. But then, you know, there's some other things that I've worked as well. You know, like for example, if I'm having caffeine. I generally won't have that in the first half of a race. You know, that caffeine will, you know, stimulate your central nervous system. It actually makes you sweat more. So, you know, I'm really focused on, you know, pacing to sweat less, you know, avoiding caffeine to sweat less. 
um, you know, where we've been working on this T8 prototype for some ice bandanas as well. Um, a couple yeah. of the races, they'll, they'll restock you with ice at the checkpoints. And, you know, having a big chunk of ice wrapped around your neck, you know, it can make a really big difference too. Uh, that's a great idea. I've, I've done a little bit of that ice work, but just sticking it down the stride. So I think the, the bandana might work a little bit better. Yeah, I think, yeah, I just ice anywhere you can get it. <laughs> I think yeah, it's all going to help. <laughs> and, and so, mate, how much uh, different is your fluid intake there compared to in the cooler climate? I definitely will drink a bit more, but then at the same time, and I've actually, you know, just experimented a little bit, you know, I've, you know, I've gone out for a run uh, in, in the middle of summer here. I've measured my weight. I've run hard for two hours. I haven't drunk. And then I'll measure myself again at the end of the run. And so, I mean, I can do, I can lose four kilos basically in two hours. So effectively that's two liters an hour. But the problem is, like I can't drink two liters an hour. If I'm, I've found that if I drink more than seven or eight hundred mils in an hour, I just get bloated because my body just can't process it. So, yeah, for me, I'll be drinking more, but you know, maybe up to that limit of eight hundred mils an hour. And the problem is, you just run this big, you know, liquid deficit. Um, yeah. And so, unless you can control your sweat, you're just going to get more and more dehydrated. And you know, I've finished a lot of races as you know, <laughs> blithering sort of messes on the finish line. You know, sort of, you know can't even touch beer at the finish line, you know, which, which tells me that, uh, you know, I'm in a pretty bad way. Devastating, mate. Devastating. Yeah, oh, it is. You've got no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I always have the idea in my head that a beer is going to taste amazing at the end of a race, but it just so rarely does. It's much harder than you think, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's the idea of beer is amazing, whereas, yeah, the actual beer sometimes doesn't quite get there. Actually, I, I don't mind a shandy at the end of a race. I that's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> Solution. We, yeah. we actually spoke to a hydration expert last week, uh, Andy Blow, and he was uh, he was actually glowing of the beer as a hydration tool, but it had to be a light beer. So there was some science behind it. So we're going to cling to that at the show. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Try that next time, mate. Um, I wanted to ask about trail running popularity in Hong Kong. The, the, the races that I've seen seem incredibly well attended. It, it looks like an amazing scene over there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really an incredible scene. And I guess you know, you've got you know, 7 million people all living in a really small place. Um, but at the same time, if you, you know, take out a Google Maps and look at the satellite view of Hong Kong, you probably find about 70% of it is actually green. That's basically the stuff that's too steep for them to build on, but actually, as a result, makes really good trails. And so you've got this amazing scene here. Um, you know, during the guts of the season, you've probably got four or five races in Hong Kong every weekend. You know, I know people who've, you know, done, you know, the Moon Trekker triple, which is, you know, there's the Moon Trekker 50K on Friday night. You can back it up with the Rally Challenge 78K on Saturday and then go do, I think, you know, the MSIG uh, Hong Kong 50 on the Sunday. You know, if you want to, you know, do that much racing, you can. And so we're pretty spoiled here. <laughs> They're called psychopaths, John. There's <laughs> probably, yeah, groups for that. Uh, it's anonymous. That's right. That's a problem. That's a problem. And so, what are what would you call the monuments of Asian trail running? Then, what are the the, the big races that everyone's trying to get into? Uh, I, I guess from a from an Asian point of view, I mean, the Ultra Trail World Tours, um, you know, tends to get the the best, uh, you know, the best fields and the biggest crowds. And so, you know, for us in Hong Kong, it's Hong Kong One Hundred over here. You know. Yeah. We've got caps on the number of you can have in each race, but, you know, they get 1,800 people uh, per year. Um, you know, Ultra Trail Mont Fuji I've done quite a few times. You know, that's, that's another big race. Uh, I guess in Hong Kong we've got the Trail Walker, which is teams of four basically doing 100Ks together, and that usually gets about 5,500 people each year. You can probably double that for the number of volunteers. So, yeah, there's a lot of different options. And then I think, you know, there's quite a bit of buzz around, you know, this Thailand by UTMB coming in October. So, yeah, anything with Ultra Trail World Tour or UTMB, I think, you know, people get pretty excited about. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, I, my introduction to trail running was the Trail Walker event in Sydney, actually. Oh, and nice. so, yeah, a little bit of an affinity with that race I've done it a bunch of times. So, was that your introduction over there as well or? Actually, you know, I just kind of slipped. I came over in July, so that was in summer. So I think for me it was actually doing a few hashes uh, in the okay. middle of the summer. 
which is really just an excuse to drink beer. <laughs> the beer does yeah. taste good after ash. Um, yeah. And then, to... what's that? Sorry, it's not quite long enough to put you off the beer, mate. Yep, absolutely. And uh, yeah, and then I just sort of got into a few of the races. Um, you know, did Hong Kong 100 the very first year, uh, back when it was, I think, you know, the first solo 100K in Hong Kong. That was what 180 people that they had. And you know, these days it's 1800, and it's a ballot of about seven and a half thousand people trying to get in. So All just right. you know, it kind of shows you how much the sport's grown in that time. That's incredible. Seven and a half thousand people. That's yeah. And, and traveling from far and wide, I'm assuming there. Yeah, I think you know, in a in a normal year, it's about a third Hong Kong runners, it's about a third Chinese runners, and a third rest of the world. Uh, and so it's yeah, it's a pretty big deal. And actually, kudos to the organisers, Steve and Janet. They they basically take hundred dollars Hong Kong, so that's caught twelve dollars US uh, right. as a sort of ballot admin fee, and. Um, you, know, you do the maths on you know, seven thousand ballot runners, and all of that goes to charity. So it's it's a neat wow. way to raise some funds for some good charities. Oh, that's really impressive, actually. I like it. Really good. Yeah. And and so with, with all that uh, all that trail running to be done, how often do you race yourself, mate? <sighs> Probably too much. Um, I sort of had a had, had a sit down, and and last year I think I. I probably raced about 1500 kilometers for for the year so what's that it's an average of 30 k's of racing you know, every week week in week out and obviously you know there's some breaks in there i had a, a three and a half month break in the middle of it because we had our second kid uh didn't think the missus would be would be too excited about me <laughs> running off and keeping up the training while she was yeah heavily pregnant and giving birth so yeah it took a bit of time off but yeah it's we we we're in a pretty lucky position here that we can actually do, you know, you can race every weekend if you want to. I've got mates who are worse than me. <laughs> so you know, on a scale of, you know, zero to crazy, you know, I'm only an eight. <laughs> so, wow. We'll have to get those names and uh, send them our psychologist number. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've actually got a question, a uh, listener question from, from the Wolf regarding your, um, I think it might have been your first child actually. So the question is, I believe you raced three days after your daughter's birth. How did you get away with this? And do you <laughs> run a seminar? <laughs> yeah, I think I think it was. It might have been a week, oh, uh, or maybe maybe it was five days. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess this is this is the big shout out to the misses. Um, <laughs> um, you know, behind. Yeah, like she she is amazingly yeah flexible and um and understanding and yeah I mean obviously you know to race at a certain level you got to put in the training and you know having said that you know I, I will try and find time where I didn't have didn't think I had time before so you know the run commuting these days is a great way you know if you do you know 10k's to work 10k's back you do that 5k times a day like there's your 100k's a week done yeah. like you don't even have to run on the weekends so. I try and find time where there wasn't time before, but yeah, I've got an amazing missus. Um, so big shout out to Elaine. So moi, 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 like <laughs> could do this without you. Um, but I think, yeah, that's, that's the key having a really understanding missus. And the crazy thing is she's not even a runner. So yeah, I, I am, I am quite blessed. <laughs> and, and, and so does she have her outlet as well there? Is she getting out of the house? Yeah, probably not as much as, um, as as she should uh yeah she's got her things with her friends and and dinners etc like that but um yeah i i think i probably the better end of the stick there okay well done (laughs) (laughs) uh we're talking off air about uh all things coronavirus uh tokyo marathon's been sort of modified paris marathon's been postponed uh are you seeing trail races over there being cancelled yeah, I mean, we we probably hit, yeah, the coronavirus fears. You know, I think a lot before a lot before a lot of other countries. You know, we had our sort of you know hair on fire moment maybe sort of four or five weeks ago, and okay. and so we had the Hong Kong marathon uh, cancelled, and that was sort of early Feb. So yeah, we're kind of I guess sort of through I guess the the panicky phase you know, to a certain extent things have normalized a little bit here you know we're reopening the the horse racing track um, a few of the sports grounds are starting to get reopened 
you know, went out to lunch on the weekend and, you know, the place was actually full, um, okay. which was the first time I'd seen that in a while. So I think things are getting back to a new semi-normal over here. Uh, and, you know, I think a corollary of that is probably going to be that the races sort of start to happen. Having said that, there are have been a few races that have still happened. I think most probably 80 to 90% got cancelled. But we have seen, you know, like one of the really experienced race directors here, a guy called Keith Noyes, still went ahead with King of the Hills. Um, and, you know, I, I went to the race. I th- thought he did a really good job with it. You know, it's not the biggest race. It's 500 people. But, you know, we obviously, you know, there were some emails that went out beforehand. Uh, you know, the checkpoints had lots of sanitizer. He gave, a, you know, obviously a warning beforehand about, you know, just everyone had to keep their personal space and just be a bit more careful. And, you know, I think, you know, with the right people involved, you, know, you, you can still sort of have these things as long as they're not too big. But I think moving forward over the next few weeks, I'm hoping that some of these races, you know, some of the smaller races, you know, in the right conditions, yeah, might we might get to uh, do a few more of them. Okay. And so um, there's obviously been a few people under sort of self-guided quarantine. Have, have you had that sort of stuff going on over in Hong Kong? Yeah, I mean, I got a message from uh, from one of my friends, Paul Sang, who's kind of organised the the Grand Slam over here, and that's for people who do the four first solo hundred Ks all in a year. And um, yeah, he's, for example, I did. I think it was a public message, so yeah, he's self quarantined, for example, because um, you know it turned out that he had some contact. It was probably some very informal, distant contact, but you know, you are seeing people who are, you know just know that there's maybe a small risk and are starting to take, you know, those sorts of precautions, you know, for the good of everyone. Look, and as a trail runner, it's got to be your greatest fear to be uh, quarantined for two weeks, doesn't it, John? (laughs) Yeah, I just... (laughs) I got something from the missus yesterday saying that... um, I think sort of women sort of 30 to 59 are, are most at risk of coronavirus and they should immediately be sent to the, the winery and the spa quarantine areas. <laughs> I was thinking, actually, as a trail runner, maybe we should just, you know, all quarantine us on, you know, one of the good sort of, you know, trail running islands around here and we just run around for 14 days. <laughs> <laughs> oh, training camp. I like it. Exactly. And how many Ks do you think you could knock up if you were actually quarantined within your your apartment or your house in Hong Kong? Yeah, not too many, unfortunately. <laughs> like uh, <laughs> like most people who live in Hong Kong, we live in little shoe boxes that are very expensive. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think I probably get the most value going up and down the stairwell. <laughs> <laughs> it just sounds awful. It yeah. sounds horrible. <laughs> I was just thinking of those poor buggers on the cruise ship off the coast of Japan oh. and uh, what you would do in that situation as a runner. You would just completely lose your mind. Yeah, I mean, some of the cruise ships have, you know, running tracks that go around the outside. But, yeah, I heard it was, you know, some of them that, you like, they were just locked inside their, you know, windowless cabins. And it was worse than jail because you didn't get your one hour of exercise time. Uh, oh, my goodness. That doesn't bear thinking about yeah. Uh, a topical question coming from Sydney at the moment, but uh, how's the stores of toilet paper in Hong Kong at the moment? <laughs> yeah, I mean we had our um, yeah we had our toilet roll panic, <laughs> and I think I think there, I think there was actually an armed robbery for toilet paper at the height of it. Um, but uh, I think the the stores were basically empty for about a week, and and then they <laughs> refilled. Actually, we're at the point now where you can actually get face masks at the Seven Eleven. You can get. Uh, hands like the little hand sanitizers. Um, you know, they're all kind of back in stock now. So, I suspect you guys will probably go through the same thing. Fingers and look, I, I guess, I guess as trail runners, we understand that you don't necessarily need toilet paper. You can you can potentially <laughs> use a stock, or there's lots of different methods to get by. So, I don't think we're as worried about it as the general population. Yeah, just yeah, there's nothing wrong with a good leaf. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. But you guys have had a. a I guess a prelude to this with a bit of rioting going on in Hong Kong. Did that did that slow things down in the running scene or your training, that sort of stuff? No, I mean, I, th- I think, yeah, we've had some protests and you know, there's a lot of, I guess, yeah, unhappiness with the government over here. That's, you know, that was probably for about six or seven months. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, in the most, it didn't really affect things. But, you know, when things sort of escalated, there are a few weeks, I, I think in the main, you know, you kind of know where the hot, pot, the hot spots are going to be and you can avoid them. But generally, if you're out on a trail, you're not going to be on a hot spot, so that's that's fine. 
Um, but having said that, there were a couple of bigger events that uh, that did get cancelled. Um, unfortunately, Trailwalker was one of them. Um, but at the same time, you know, people, you know, still kind of get on with it. So, you know, I think unfortunately, the organisers Oxfam, you know, had to make a decision for the, I guess, the safety of the participants and the volunteers. They had to cancel it. But you actually found that I think you know, there were probably 500 runners that turned up at the start line. You know, kind of ran their own unofficial trail walker. So there's still right. that sort of community of you know people who just you know want to do it and run anyway. Ah, uh, that's fantastic. That's it. Seems like a real trail running mentality. We've We've uh, just had the six-foot track cancelled. I don't know if you've ever okay, raced yeah, that yeah. one before. Heard about it, um, yep. Yeah, so fires and floods and all that sort of jazz is kind of bugging the trail a little. But, yeah, I guarantee there'll be, you know, four or 500 people out in the Blue Mountains next weekend going for a nice long run. So, yeah, yeah, good for them. Stop, doesn't stop them, that's for sure. But I, I, I want to talk a little bit about your, uh, I, I guess, your racing and training mentality you've been described as a bit of a, a lydiard follower bit of an 80 20 sort of mentality kind of guy is that a fair reflection of your training yeah it sort of changes but yeah i guess lydiard in a lot of ways i mean i do a lot of i guess when i'm really training for something i'll do a lot of you know sort of long slow um and I just find if you know, if you can really get the kilometres in, uh, you just get so good at running. You know, you're tired the whole time, um, but it makes a really big difference. And then obviously you got to you know throw in the speed sessions just to so you don't get too slow. Um, but then you know when I when I'm really stretched for time, I actually find that actually just racing every weekend is a really good training method too. You know, if you don't have that much time, you know the races are super efficient. You know, they're obviously high intensity. Um, you know, I've built up to that over a number of years, so it's not something I'd recommend for someone who's just started. But, you know, yeah, like doing a 50K race every weekend makes you pretty strong, <laughs> as long as you don't it break yourself. It, <laughs> it makes it very difficult to maintain an 80-20 ratio. <laughs> You've got to do a lot of flat days. Yeah, yep, yeah, true. But, um, yeah, when I'm not doing the silly racing, then, um, yeah, I do like the – I just love getting out there in nature, having a good, you know, chin wag with a mate and, um, you know, discussing, you know, fixing all the world's problems in our heads on a good three or four hour run. Uh, that's what it's there for. That's fantastic. Um, yeah. And you famously never DNF'd uh, from my research. Does that record still hold? Yeah, it was still, still in a no DNF. Um, yeah, it's, it's come close a few times. Um, yeah, a few. T uh, I mean, the probably too close. Uh, yeah, it's been probably three times. One was UTMB. I just, yeah, I wasn't. I was struggling with the altitude, and unfortunately, um, I had my super supporter crew, Emily Woodland, and you're yeah, heading into Champagne Lac with 50k's to go. Um, you know, I spent two hours in the lead up to the to checkpoint, sort of running through all the reasons in my head about why it would make sense to pull out there. And she just gave me this look <laughs> and just shut me up right there. You know, there was another time actually for Nine Dragons. Um, so I did the 50, 50, 50 miles on the Saturday, 50 Ks on the Sunday. Sort of, yeah, it wasn't the worst tear, but um, sort of pulled my car 15 Ks into the first day. And yeah, it was pretty rough getting through the last 130 Ks over the next couple of days. Uh, and then Hong Kong Four Trails, um, which is 300k race. Um, yeah, that had a few really low points, but you know, managed to sort of drag myself off the concrete a few times, you know, quite literally, and um, yeah, managed to finish that. But yeah, fortunately, you know, I haven't haven't DNF'd yet. Um, it's good motivation, you know, not to DNF when when you do get tempted. But yeah, let's let's hope we can keep it keep it going. That's yeah. I mean, it's an impressive record, really. Do, do you think? I, I guess the, the the mental strength you've gained from finishing each of these races does that sort of feed into the next one? There's less and less chance of you doing anything. Do you think you're stronger for the experience? Yeah, I think so. I mean, every time you you get through one of these, I think you know you you it's an experience where you you got through. Um, you know, for me, you know, finishing Hong Kong four, four trails, you know, which was 300 k's. And just the amount of lows and getting through that almost made me believe I can do anything. You know, now you start 100Ks and you don't want to, you don't scoff at it. You still respect it, but you know that the lows are never going to be as low as that 300K. And so it gives you a lot of confidence. And, you know, as the missus will tell you, I'm just a really stubborn guy. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't really take no for an answer. Well, 
of what you need out there, I suppose. Do, do, do you think you've reduced, uh, I guess, the fear factor there? I think so, yeah. There's there's not really sort of that much fear. I, you know, I've just done that much racing that you know what to expect. Um, yeah, every race is different, of course, but, you know, history rhymes and, yeah, most of the things, you know, sort of dealt with, you know, we've got to deal with all sorts of things on the fly, whether it's stomach issues or rolled ankles or you know, pain somewhere. And, you know, I've kind of been, out, been lucky enough to get through all of that. I mean, I think a lot of that DNF record is probably just luck as well. You know, fortunately, I've never had a, you know, a really bad accident. You know, I've had mates who, you know, even wearing hockers, they just stepped on a nail that was sticking up. You know, stuff like that, you if that happens you don't really have a choice i mean that's that's game over but fortunately you know nothing like that's happened and yeah been able to do it yeah i guess there is an element of luck there but uh, i also think that a lot of the people who do dnf potentially don't need to do you, do you think they can probably push further than they think or you yeah. think yeah yeah sorry go yeah i think so i mean i think a lot of times you know, we've, we've all done this in the ultras and you, you can be feeling great, you know, right now. And then 20 minutes later, you're going to go through this massive low. And if you make decisions, you know, based on how you're feeling over a little 5, 10, 15 minute segment, I think you can make the wrong decision. I think a lot of times people probably pull out, whereas they could have actually just, you know, walked it out, you know, walk for another half hour, um, you know, see how you go and maybe you start to feel better. I think also people probably go into races with, I guess, a, an A goal. And don't necessarily have a B goal or a C goal. So, you know, if all of a sudden you can't get that magic target time that you were getting because something happened, I think, you know, the motivation goes out the window and it's like, I just don't want to finish anymore. But I think if you go into races having, you know, secondary goals, I think that can really help too. Mm. And is that something that you actively plan out, an ABC goal there, John? I'll usually have an A goal. Um, for me, the B goal is always just finishing. And so having that as a backup, especially, you know, now it's become a bit of a thing. <laughs> yeah. you know, I sort of feel like, you know, at the very least, I have to get the B goal. And would that uh, preclude you from, I guess, entering something that you are genuinely scared about not finishing? Let's, let's say, for argument's sake, the Barkley Marathons, which no one <laughs> finished, uh, would you not? enter that for, for fear of losing this amazing streak? I mean, with that one in particular, I just, I don't think I'd enter it because I just don't hate myself enough. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I mean, kudos to the people who do it. Like, it, it is just something else. And, you know, to see Garrett Robbins, you know, after the year he got that close and, you know, he's, yeah. I mean, his body looks like a human pincushion. Um Oh, I just can't imagine 60 hours of that. But, you know, but having said that, you know, I'm, we've got uh, our own, you know, Bigs Backyard Challenge over here. Um, you know, it's called Big Boars. You know, and that's that's a last man standing. So, you know, I'm thinking about doing that. And, you know, unless you win it, you know, it's a DNF. So. Right. Okay. And, yeah. and so how long is it to go for? Well, I think last year it was the first time they'd done it in Hong Kong and actually the winner was 24 hours. So, yeah, not that much. But then you know, our Hong Kong winner actually went over and did the big global one. I think he did 59 hours to come second globally. So, wow. yeah, 59 hours of basically just <laughs> running running loops. I'm not sure that I could spend 59 hours in the first place, let alone move for that long. How's your... Uh... How's your sleep deprivation? How do you go with running into the second day at night? Usually not that good on the second night. One night, don't have any issues with. The second night, that's when the wheels start to fall off. And, yeah, I can have some some pretty good hallucinations that are, yeah, probably better than drugs in a lot of ways. So, I mean, but, yeah, that can be fun, except, yeah, you're looking at your watch thinking, I've got another 20 hours of this. Um, and, you know, that, that challenge in particular is designed to screw you up because, you know, you've got to do your 7Ks every hour, but you've got to be at the start line at the start of each hour, which kind of limits, you know, the amount of time you might get, you know, off your feet to 10 or 15 minutes per lap. So yeah, it's not really enough to be able to get a good micro-sleep even. No, wow. That's, that's cruel and unusual torture, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Sounds like one to sign up for, mate. You'll enjoy that. Yeah. <laughs> So I wanted to ask you about the idea of uh, longevity with your racing. So I heard an interview where you were 
describing the idea of longevity versus pushing the limits in races. Where, where do you think you sit in between those two sort of extremes? Yeah, I mean, I, I think probably three years ago, I was probably the maximum gung-ho. Um, you know, at that point, it was just, you know, you just notice it on some of those technical downhills where it's just, I don't care, I'm flying down, and whatever happens, we'll deal with that tomorrow. Um, I, there's something about having kids that just slows you down a little bit. Um, and so you start to think a little bit about, you know, the future, whether that's, you know, tomorrow or, you know, what you're going to be like in 10 years' time. And and so that's, yeah, I've started to think a little bit more about the longevity. And, you know, for me that probably just means you know, less of the, you know, the faster, shorter stuff. And at the moment it's probably, you know, the 70 to 100K, I think, you know, that's my sweet spot. Maybe give the milers a little bit of a break for now, but, you know, also give the 5, 10Ks a break. You know, as I, as I get older, you know, maybe it is actually sort of cranking the distance down some more and, you know, maybe it becomes, you know, 20, 30, 50Ks. Uh, I think you've got a few more uh, 100Ks and milers in there, <laughs> mate. I hope so. And, and I mean, I'm, I think the other thing that I've just really picked up in the last few years is just doing more weight training. Um, and I think that's been a big thing too. You know, if you're racing all the time, you, you just need to be strong. You need to have the muscles there to support your joints and your tendons. And, yeah, I'm lucky enough to be sponsored by some physios over here in Hong Kong called Joint Dynamics. And, you know, that's made a real difference to, you know, just how I feel going up and down hills, but then also just the amount of injuries that I that I should get, you know, by all, you know, I, I really should be breaking myself a lot more and, you know, fortunately um, you know, don't seem to be doing it too much, touching lots of wood right now. <laughs> so I guess that plays into that uh, complete lack of DNF. Have you had to deal with much in the injury sense? Yeah, I mean, I've had I've had some um, some various sort of knee issues. Uh, my left Achilles, I've just had a chronic chronic injuries there probably for about sort of 12, 13 years. Um, I've had some sort of right uh, sort of first and second metatarsal issues um, probably for about three years. So there's a few things. Yeah, I mean, the problem is, you know, when you have those summer races, you know, when I first got to Hong Kong, you'd race hard for six, seven months, and then you'd you take summer off, you wouldn't run too much, you'd get fat, you'd drink lots of beer, and it was awesome. And just the last few seasons, you know, you've been doing things in summer and you don't really have that, you know, three months off. Um, and I think I've missed that. It's probably time to, to maybe have one of those. Could be this year. Just, you know, have a really big break, try and fix some of these longer-term sort of niggles and try and hit next season maybe closer to 100%. Yeah, that sounds like a wise idea. And I, I think it's something that runners or potentially trail runners don't, Think about the idea of an off-season. There's, there's always the next race to, to enter, and uh, I guess the FOMO takes over, and you just you just click that button and enter without really structuring the year around having a, a proper off-season. But I do think there's value there. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right. I think the other thing is I think everyone's just scared to lose that fitness. And mm. you know, a couple couple of years ago, I you know, had a couple of years off, and, and coming back was hard. You know, you're sort of I've got to, you know, I, I probably drink, you know, maybe one or two beers too many per week. <laughs> but, you know, I had a couple of months off and, you know, really had a lot of fun and, yeah, came back seven kilos heavier. And, you know, that's hard when you first start running again and you're not really as fast as you thought you were. <laughs> uh, seven kilos makes a difference, that's for sure. But yeah, uh, I, I think your body thanks you for it. Not only the beer, but, uh, yeah, the, the little break off the legs, I'm sure. I'm sure it helps yeah. long term. Yep. We've got uh, s- some strategies to deal with pain towards the back end of an ultra. I've heard about you, you talked about this before, and I'd like to know some advice for our listeners, if you wouldn't mind. I mean, I, I guess in terms of coming through, you know, for me, yeah, I mean, the last 30% of most races is where it gets hard. And you know, one of the ways you know, I like to approach that is just trying to pace a little bit better. And so, you know, I don't mind going out. You know, it's probably a little bit slower than the average runner and it means it's very comfortable for the first half. And then by the time you get into the, I guess, the business end, you know, 30% to go, you're still feeling pretty good. Uh, you know, I'm trying to run like a, an even split. It's really hard to measure, obviously, in trail runs, like a road run, but that's that's the goal. Um, but then with 30% to go, you, know, you actually start to overtake people and you, you overtake them pretty quickly. And, you know, just 
it just helps so much from a mental point of view because every time you pass someone, you know, you kind of realise you're going pretty well, you suck a little bit of energy out of them and, you know, it really helps the mental side. That's that's probably you know, probably the biggest thing, you know, I do on the mental side just to, just to help me at the end, end part of races. Yeah, it makes so much sense. Uh, unfortunately, I've never been able to come to terms with slowing down at the start, so... <laughs> It's usually someone sucking the energy out of me, unfortunately. <laughs> good... and yeah, like, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, I, you know, I've been there as well, getting a bit excited at the start. And sometimes it just feels so good to run hard at the start. It really does. It really does. <laughs> uh, so, so, John, what, um, what inspired you to join the running apparel game? Um, I've, I've got some... Great feedback on these T8 Sherpa shorts. Uh, why, why T8? What, is, what does that mean? Yeah, so over in Hong Kong, you know, we're in the tropics and so we get, you know, some, some tropical winds coming through. And, you know, among the, we, we've got a typhoon season, which is probably around April through to August. So you get the big, you know, the big typhoons coming through and we've got a warning system from T1, uh, you know, there is a T9 and a T10. They don't happen very often, but T8's the the big common one. We probably get, you know, two or three T8s um, every year, and that's that's the big ones where you don't have to go to work. In fact, people get sent home. And so the idea was, you know, with T8, we wanted to make um, some running gear that worked really well in Hong Kong conditions, so hot and humid. We feel like the big brands don't do that well. And for us, T8 just represents... I guess the worst weather that Hong Kong can throw at you. And so, you know, if we can make gear that works in a T8 and, you know, disclaimer, we're not saying anyone should go out the T8 and run with our gear, but, <laughs> but um, yeah, if we can make it that works in the, the worst of Hong Kong conditions and we think we've got something that's pretty good for, you know, hot and humid everywhere. Oh, mate, fantastic. And, and it's, it, it is, like you say, very difficult to find stuff that works well in the heat and Sydney's not quite, Hong Kong, but it does get hot and humid, and and the T8 Sherpa shorts uh, and the Commando undies underneath have, have been fantastic through summer. So, yeah, oh, thank you, thank you for, for letting us uh, try them out. <laughs> They've been unreal. They've no, been thank unreal. you. I mean, we've, I mean, I guess we're runners, and so we you know, we've got a lot of experience on you know what, what runners want, especially in these sorts of conditions. So, you know, we made them both sort of deliberately lightweight. You know, the Sherpa shorts, we're really happy. Um, you know, I, I love running minimal. Uh, I don't like backpacks. And so, you know, we've incorporated these, you know, these waistband pockets and they're, they're designed so they don't bounce. And, you know, I've, I've run 100Ks uh, races in them, you know, without a backpack, get all my mandatory gear, no problem. Uh, and so, you know, I, I love those. And then, you know, with Commando's running underwear, you know, we've sort of tweaked a lot of the design. We've got this, um, you know, to, to put the seams in, you know, in low-risk places. And and the material we use is, uh, is pr- it's a really good Italian blend. So, you know, they come with a chafe-free guarantee. And, you know, I mean, that one, that took probably over a year basically to to launch just because like you can't test these things on you know on a 10k run so to test you know as we're going through the testing process you had to go out and do a 70k run do a 90k run and as you can imagine you can't really sort of you know we've got to tweak this okay we've got to change this part okay now we've got to test it again and yeah the whole testing yeah i I reckon i probably (laughs) could have run 2000 k's just testing the damn underwear (laughs) you were the chafe test dummy that's uh, quite quite a, a role for the resume there, mate. <laughs> yeah, we won't have the pictures. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can vouch for the you know chafe free guarantee as well. They've, they've been fantastic. So, yeah, I encourage anyone to get down to one of our partners, Ranala, and, and pick up some of the shorts. They're stocking them now. And actually, that is a little segue. We're, we're going to have a little shoe review down with Sean and uh, Matt. I believe he's testing out the new Carbon X Super Duper Carbon Plated running shoe for the road. So I'll send you over to Matt now. Morning, Sean. How are you, mate? Good, Matt. How are you? Good. Thanks for having us down at Ranala. Uh, Always pretty, a pleasure. Pretty excited about doing the, the shoe review, the Hocker. Hocker Carbon X. Yeah. yeah it's... Um... How have you been? How's your training going? Yeah, I, mate, I'm I'm loving the shoe. My concern is that I'm going to wear it out. Like I'm going to wear. I, I don't know. If, well, I've done so. I, I love it, and you want to. You sort of want to wear it 
in every every run that you do. Yep. But I'm conscious of only wearing it when I do a track session, which is once a week. Yep. And I've been doing some long training uh, sort of race pace on the weekend, on just one run on Sunday yep. in them. And uh, I just love wearing them and pull up. Right. I, don't, I pull up really well from it as well. So yep. it's obviously got the cushioning that you need. Yep. Um, but, yeah, they just feel like a racing shoe. Like, they feel really light and I'm running. And that's been the feedback. Obviously, with six foot being cancelled, which is disappointing, um, you're now concentrating on Canberra Marathon. Yep. Um, so you're on the road. Um, so that's why, you know, you've, you've been in the shoe and uh, it, it's just so good to hear your feedback um, regarding that. Um, obviously, carbon, plate, new technology. Nike have had it since 2017 in their next percenter. Um, so Hocker have now come on board with the Carbon X. Um, and, yeah, it's just interesting to hear feedback with this technology. It's the latest and greatest, the carbon plate in, in the shoes. Um, and obviously, with that carbon plate flexing, the energy return basically after, you know, gives you that kick um, after the flex of the plate being in the bottom of the shoe. Um, Pushing you forwards, giving your foot that spring and that kick, and that's been obviously the the technology behind it is faster cadence, your ground contact's quicker, so it's basically improving your running economy. Um, It's nice and light as well, Um, 246 grams, the Hocker Carbon X, it's still that five mil drop um, compared to the eight mil in the next next percenter. Um, heel height is 32 mils. The four foot height's 27. So you've got that nice cushioning of uh, of the Profi, which is their their cushioning system, a really nice dual density foam. So it's softer in the heel if you are heel striking, and it's got that more responsive push off on toe. Um, and people often ask the difference in the carbon plates. Um, the Hocker carbon plate compared to the Next Percenter, um, they use the analogy, the Next Percenter is like a, you could flip eggs with it. Yep. Uh, it's quite full, um, where the Hocker is split and it curls up underneath the toe. Um, obviously, to control supination and really get you pushing off that, that front foot. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, well, mate, I'm really enjoying it. feels really good. We should say it's just a road shoe because it is. often we talk about trail shoes. Yep. Um, do you know if Hocker plans to bring out a similar version or it's just, it's not worth worth it on the trails having a carbon plate trail shoe? I don't. Because of the, the terrain being so uneven, I think... The, the flex of the carbon plate you, you, you need that little bit of leeway so yeah. it'll be interesting um, to see what happens but I think with this technology um, other brands have now obviously got to keep up yep. so obviously seeing the range of shoes coming out um, next year um, Brooks, uh, ASICS are all jumping on board and you'll see more carbon plated shoes across the range which is good for runners mm. um, because it gives them more variety. Um, Obviously this shoe, the Carbon X, I tried it on. Um, I've got a bit of a broad foot. It sort of was, didn't suit me um, straight away, but that's why I tried it on with different socks, a thinner sock, and it sort of felt totally different. So that's why it's always good to come in, try the shoes on, try it on with different sock thicknesses, because it does make a huge difference, and jump on the treadmill, go outside, have a have a run, test the shoe before you do buy, because not every shoe is going to suit running styles, yeah. um, so it's, it's good in a way for runners that a lot of brands are bringing it out, because it gives us more variety, and there's been that big, um, you know, push on, is it illegal, with the, the next yeah, percenter, yeah, yeah. and it's interesting, because it's not um, the carbon plate that's obviously it's the actual foam in the in the next percenter that was giving the the more of more push than the carbon plate. Right. So yeah, it was actually the foam. So uh, yeah, it's it, interesting. It, it is interesting. Yeah. So I, I think yeah, it, it's it's a good thing if it helps runners run faster, helps improve their running economy. Bring it's, it on. Well, but it's not running. the shoe for everyone. So it's it's it is be careful. It is a five mil drop, so it's going to recruit a lot more Achilles. So progression is the key. Yeah. Um, Don't just put it on and go, wow, this is amazing. And away you go and try and run half a marathon. Um, So the um, 
a lot of people talk about the the four percenters or the next percenters only having a certain amount of kilometres in them, so you can sort of do a couple of marathons. That's but yeah, that's been the feedback um, that it's an expensive shoe, um, but people aren't getting the K's out of the shoe. So we are getting a few people coming in. The feedback from the hocker is you are getting a lot more kilometres. Um, so 279 bucks value for money, um, probably a little bit better. Yep. Um, not everyone, you know, your budget's not, you know, 400 bucks mm. um, every time you've got to replace a shoe every couple of months, particularly if you are doing a lot of Ks yeah. um, and training for big events. So, yeah, there's that. And that's why it's good that there are going to be a lot more brands out there on the market. You'll see second half of this year. And I think money-wise prices will drop yep. in carbon shoes so it's giving that you know it's suiting people's budgets what what are the other brands that are offering the uh, uh asics are bringing out a, a meta racer yep. um and you've got brooks just released i think the hyperflexion or hyperion it is and then um yeah new balance are bringing one out on are bringing out a carbon it's boom the on boom so yeah, right. yeah you'll see see they're a lot out there it. they're all doing it yeah, yeah i suppose they have to yep to keep up yeah. but it'll be interesting to see where this technology sort of goes from here yeah um yeah good stuff yeah uh so mate running matters singlets flying off the shelf singlets because they're, they're the asics one yes. singlets and shirts and they are very comfortable and they nice are training uh have you got some new stock in printed as we speak so they will be ready for our social run yep which is next saturday yep um the 21st, yeah, I think right. it is, yep. 4 p.m. Perfect. Yeah, we'll, we'll plug that a bit more. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so that's – everyone's welcome to come down. Everyone's welcome. Yeah, have um, a jog, yeah. a few beers, some It's pizza. a great catch-up. Even if, you know, just come, catch up with mates, have a – you know, talk about what races you're doing, what races are coming up, yep. and have a chat over a beer and pizza. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. You know, it is, it is a good time. All right, well, thanks very much for your time. And Not a um, problem. We'll catch up at the social run. We will. See you, mate. And we're back. Thanks for the review, <laughs> Sean and Matt. Uh, look forward to seeing the trail version. I'm not sure that I'm going to jump into those road ones, but you enjoy them, Wolfman. Um, I've actually got uh, a listener question, I guess, based around the shorts and your, your, your ITRA profile, John. So this is from Ali Najim. And the, the question is, your ITRA profile shows you with no shirt. It's uh, colloquially known as having the bonnet pop in Australia. Is this just the heat in Hong Kong or were T8 not making shirts at the time? <laughs> Good question. Um, no, I mean, I, I've sort of run, you know, with the popped bonnet for uh, probably sort of seven or eight years in Hong Kong. Um yeah, I'd like to say it's because I can show off my massive guns, but I'm still working on those. Um, <laughs> it just just comes down to trying to stay cool. Um, I yeah, I overheat pretty easily. Uh, I'm just trying to lose an extra layer to keep the heat in. So yeah, I just I just want to be as cool as possible. Um, but I think you know my business partner at T8, he has sort of he's laid down the law and. A, you know, that's why you know, we work, we are working on a, on a technical tee and we're spending a lot of time just trying to get the, the fabrics right because, you know, if I have to wear a tee, I want something that's going to be really cooling and, and really lightweight and breathable. So we are putting a lot of work into that. Okay. Oh, that's exciting, mate. We'll, uh, we'll keep our eyes eyes on the prize and that's something to look forward to for 2020 or are we thinking maybe next year? No, 2020, we're uh, hopefully, yeah, things have been slowed down a little bit with, um, yeah, sort of the coronavirus and factories, but uh, we're hoping for around middle of this year. Yeah, okay. Oh, fantastic. We'll keep an eye out. Thank but, you. As I was saying, we, we, we had a, uh, a reasonably hot summer in, in Sydney as well and plenty of bushfires and sunny yeah. days. Mate, do, you, do you ever struggle with the running with some of the smog coming down from, I guess, mainland China or other parts of the world? Yeah, I mean, I, I have days, I haven't had too many, but probably sort of four or five days where like just, yeah, the, the particulates like, you know, PM 2.5 is kind of pretty high and yeah, you just, 
you just can't breathe like you you should be able to breathe. And yeah, I'm probably one of the betters. I think other other runners sort of have that issue from time to time. You know, with most of China being off at the moment, um, you know, the air quality is actually pretty good here at the moment. Um, yeah. But you know, unfortunately, just with the way the winds are. You know, a lot of the worst smog tends to happen during winter, which is you know when we like to get out and run. So yeah, it, it can be an issue, but you know it does feel like it's gotten better over the last five years. Okay, and is that something you'll check before you go out? What the was it PM two point five rating is for the day? Uh, I don't really. I mean, I'm lucky. I work up on the twenty third floor. You know, like most people in Hong Kong, we're up in a skyscraper somewhere, so it's easy enough just to look out the window. And yeah, if it looks really smoggy, I'll probably give it a swerve. Uh, okay. But these days, it doesn't happen too much. Yeah, that's good. Good to hear. I guess it was the first time we really had to come to terms with it in Sydney. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was smoky at times, but. I guess we weren't sure when was when was okay to run, when wasn't. We're getting a lot of wows as sort of looking on your Strava profile and saying, "Ah, oh, you shouldn't have been running that day." You know what the PM two point five rating was, blah blah blah. So yeah, I think we need to take a leaf out of your book and just maybe eyeball it from a tower somewhere. <laughs> yeah, that sort of seems to work okay over here. <laughs> okay, that's good. So tell me, how does the the training in the heat in Hong Kong? I guess prepare you for some of the European races that you've done, UTMB and Lavaredo. Do you feel like it's an advantage to train in hot environment when you then go over to those places and, and race? I, I think all up it's probably probably a disadvantage, I think. Um, yeah, and that's one of the worst parts to yeah, signing up for something like a UTMB in August because it means you you know you really need a good whatever four month block, you know, all the way through the summer here and, and it's just it's hard. You know, days, you know, it'll get up to 35 degrees and 80% humidity and you, know, you just you just can't go that long without just completely draining yourself and the recovery becomes a big issue. Uh, and so, you know, for me, if I'm doing that, you know, we, we just work around it. You know, you, f you just try and run at night a lot more. Uh, and so, you know, you, when we're training for that, you know, we might, we've got a really good uh, sort of time ocean repeats, which is, basically up time ocean down another way and then you go back um to where you came from and that's about 20 k's uh it's probably about 1200 meters of elevation uh and it's a really you know it's a really fun you've got some ramps you've got some stairs you've got some sort of contours some rocky bits it's it's nice and interesting and then at one end you've actually got a kiosk which stays open most of the night on fridays and so you try and find different ways to work through it uh and then you know for me in order to get the volume, I find I just need to do a lot of little ones. Uh, so, you know, like 10Ks here, 15Ks there, you know, trying to double some days if you can triple. And that's usually the best way to get the Ks in without completely draining yourself and getting too dehydrated. Mm. The, the, the triple day, is that is that a common scenario for you, John? <laughs> Not too common, but, um, yeah, run to work, you know, just get, head out for a lunchtime run and uh, then run home as well. Wow, I love it. That's, uh, that's a great strategy. I'm not sure my legs would cope with it, but I do love the enthusiasm. <laughs> nice. I've got another listener question from, uh, from Menai Owl. Uh, I've, I've been reading through the event list from all parts of Asia. All these names like the Immortals, the Punisher, the Moon Trekker, the Nine Dragons all seem really tough. In Australia, we've got the Great Ocean Walk, the Great North Walk. The Glowworm Marathon and the Happy <laughs> Elf Ultra. Are, are we just a bit softer in Australia? What do you think? Uh, I, I think part of it up in, especially in Hong Kong as well, is because we've got so many races. I think you do have to stand out a little bit. And so, you know, there's a part of us, you know, with a lot of trail runners, you know, you, runners generally, you start off with 5Ks, you do that, you do 10Ks, you're always, then you're up doing half marathons, marathons, 100Ks, milers. I think you're always sort of pushing for the next level. And, you know, I think you call something, you know, the Punisher, like automatically people are interested because they're looking for the next challenge. Having said that, I did the Punisher. Um, it, uh, yeah, no, I, I did get punished. <laughs> but but that was actually more to do with my lack of uh, just, you know, my pacing was all off. It, it so wasn't. You, you look for punishment. Yeah, I was looking to punish the Punisher. <laughs> it didn't work out that way. I got a double dose in return. Um, 
but I think a lot of it's just, yeah, you just got to position yourself in the market. And yeah, I think, you know, a lot of us ultra runners, we love a good challenge and you know, if something sounds really hard, then we just gravitate towards it. Yeah. It's, a, it's an interesting breed. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So any, any plans to come and race over in sunny Australia over the next year or two? Yeah, I think I'd like to. Um, I mean, I did UTA, golly, it was probably six or seven years ago, back when it was North Face. Um, I can't remember, sort of finished 15th or something. And, you know, I'd like to think I've improved a little bit since then. So it'd be great to to give that one a a go. Um, But then, you know, I'm from Perth. And when I left Perth, there was pretty much nothing in the way of of uh, sort of trail runs and I think, you know, I had a look the other day, there's probably 30 over there. There's sort of the, you know, the uh, the Ultra Trail Series WA with Sean Kessler does, which looks really interesting and he's got some some crazy things up to 200 miles. And I'm pretty sure 20 minutes ago I said I wasn't going to do anything over 100Ks. So actually, <laughs> I, I might stop myself there. <laughs> no, mate, I gave you a leave pass. I said you were too young, so don't worry about that. <laughs> All right, awesome. <laughs> There's a good-looking race, the Margaret River Ultra over there, actually. Uh, friends of ours we went down and ran the Surf Coast Century in Victoria, and they run this Margaret River Ultra in yeah, WA. It looks spectacular. So, is it, is yeah, it like yeah. the Marathon de Medoc? You know the one uh, in France where you run a marathon, you have to, and the checkpoints are basically wineries? <laughs> I don't think it's about time. I'm not, I'm not sure along the way, but uh, certainly at the end there was a there was a, a wine glass as as the prize. So I'm sure you could fill that up pretty comfortably. Okay, nice. Maybe it'll taste better than the beers. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, look, let's be honest. Uh, I think it's going to be tough to neck at the end of the hundred k's. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Uh, so, look, if I was going to have my customary two beers before race day in Hong Kong. Of course, I couldn't get hold of a Sydney brewery, Glamorama. What beer would you recommend me try? Local beer there. Uh, I mean, I think the Guilo is a is a good sort of you know kind of microbrewery over here, uh, and Guilo basically just means you know, foreigner in um, in local Cantonese. Uh, so that's that's a pretty good beer. They do a pretty good pale ale. Um, otherwise, yeah, I mean, I'd probably go their pale ale. That's probably the one I like. All right, mate. Great advice. Thank you. Next time I, uh, yeah, step foot in Hong Kong, I'll, I'll be using it as my hydration strategy. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I like yeah, it. And so, so what's next on the agenda for for you, John? What's what's in the pipeline? I mean, this is a weird one. Like for me, don't have because we've gone through this this phase where a lot of races are being cancelled. It's um, I guess. Everyone's sort of taking their eye off the ball a little bit. You know, for me, I don't have anything planned at the moment. I'm thinking about doing this uh, Big Boar's Backyard Challenge, uh, that last man standing. Um, you know, and that's you know, it could be anywhere from, uh, I guess, a 24 to 48-hour commitment. Uh, probably going to do Country of Origin, um, which is basically a, a nation versus nation, three runners uh, in a team just doing 30Ks together. And I think, you know, this year that's going to be a little bit special. It was organised by a good friend of mine, Nick Tinworth, and uh, unfortunately he's just lost a battle with uh, with brain cancer uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, and so I think, you know, this year that race, you know, it was his race. I think it's going to be a little bit special, so I think I'd like to do that. Uh, and then beyond that, you know, I'm starting to get back into the, you know, the 100K training weeks and, you know, just want to be in, in decent shape to be able to sort of pick and choose and, you know, maybe make a few last-minute decisions to come and, you know, do races around the region. Okay. Fantastic. They're keeping it open at the moment. Yep. Yep. Playing it cool. <laughs> Very good. Nice to be in that sort of shape that you can uh, play it cool and, and pick up a last-minute entry somewhere too, John. Yep. Fingers crossed. <laughs> And, and so, mate, how, how can people follow your career? Where can they find you on social media, et cetera? Yeah, so, I mean, on Facebook, um, uh, I think the handle's uh, Johnny RV, so J-O-H-N-N-E-Y-R-V, uh, just on Strava as well, um, sort of under John Ellis in Hong Kong. Uh, yeah, and, I mean, you know, if, if you follow sort of the, the T8 sort of Instagram page as well, which is uh, sort of 
at T8 run, you know, that will generally have a lot of the stuff that, you know, myself and a few of the other T8 athletes are doing around the world. Uh, fantastic. And, and if someone wanted to pick up a pair of T8 Sherpa shorts or commando underwear and weren't in the vicinity of Ranala, how, how could they get hold of them? Uh, they can just come to t8.run, uh, which is our, uh, I guess, our global website. It's a little bit about the brand, some of our ambassadors. Um, we've also got a retailers list there as well. Um, yeah, so if you're not near Ranala, who uh, obviously a, a very good retailer over there, um, you know, feel free to jump on the website, and, and we do have free global shipping. And you could actually use the, uh, the discount code in the show notes from Running Matters if you were so inclined. That's very true. Good idea. <laughs> All right, John, thank you so much for, for chatting to us tonight. Um, you might have to get back to work, but I might tuck myself into a Sydney brewery beer after the show, I think. Um, I, think I think you've already yeah. been tucking in. I've, you know, we've got the video on the Skype call, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I, I'll admit to uh, yeah, just, just, just a, a quiet one over here. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> Yeah, best of luck with getting a few races under the belt. Hopefully some of these things start to, yeah, come back after the, the craziness, the, the corona craziness. Um, yeah, and you can, you can start strapping a race bib onto those Sherpa shorts, John. Yep, no, no, looking forward to it. And look, I've really enjoyed being on the show, so thanks very much, Paul. No worries at all, John. Good luck. See you soon. Okay, brilliant. Thanks. <laughs>